Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout history, there have been individuals who have not only prayed that prayer, but walked it out as a lifestyle day by day. Each of these people have a story about creating and maintaining a revival culture wherever the Holy Spirit leads. This podcast is about capturing those stories and telling them to the world. So whether you are driving down the road, cutting your grass, working out, or just relaxing on your couch, thank you for choosing to join us for our Revival Chats. All right, here we are. We made it back and you made it with us. I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of Revival Chats. I am your host, Spencer Lloyd, coming to you from my little uh, makeshift office here in my house in Marion, Indiana. And uh, we are excited to be recording another episode. But before I tell you who our special guest is today, uh, I have exciting news. We have made it to 1,000 downloads of Revival Chats. 1,000. That is amazing. And that's with only, like, I don't know how these stats work, but that's with only eight episodes out. We made it to 1,000 downloads. So anyway, I'm very proud of you all because you guys are the reasons or are the reason that we made it there at all. So way to go. Way to go you. Uh, I want to take this opportunity before we turn to our guests to remind you that you can connect with Revival for a Day on Instagram. We are there. At, um, our handle is Revival for Our Day. You can find us on Facebook. And of course, uh, we have a website, revivalforourday.org. But enough of all that. You all are waiting with bated breath. Although I think <laughs> that sometimes uh, this is maybe the worst kept secret who my who my uh, guests are going to be, because I got a phone call earlier today saying, oh, you're getting ready to uh, do a podcast, aren't you? Well, I hadn't told anybody that, but somehow word got out. I think I know how. But anyway, today we have joining with us the one and the only Georgine Christensen. Georgine, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's my privilege to be here. You know, I was uh, thinking about this podcast earlier this morning, and I realized, Georgine, that I have known you uh, for about 30 years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. Because I don't... Yeah. Now, did you know my? Did you know me uh, before we came down and, and visited you there in Florida? <clears throat> my first trip to... Parker was in 1985. How, how old would you been? I, I was just a year old. Well, it depends on when you came and <laughs> it depends on when yeah, you came. Yeah, it was summer, the summer of 85. Okay, so I was just over <laughs> a year old. So you have known me, you you have known me for like 35 years. And I, my <laughs> first memory of you is when we came down and visited you uh, at the condo in Florida by the intercoastal. Oh, really? My yeah. first memory of you is seeing you on the steps at the old building that they had um, Evangel Voice and Revival for a Day in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Main Street of Parker. Well. Your mother was standing there, and you were just a cute little young man, one years old. Look at that. 
Memories. I love it. Well, for those yeah. of you who don't know, Georgine has been around, as we've already intimated, she's been around this ministry for a very, well, I, I better be careful. I don't want to make you sound old. She's been around for a while. Yes, please. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, and Georgine, as is the point of this podcast, uh, we just want people to hear the God's stories. We want people to hear what God has done in and through his saints over the years. And, uh, I, I've heard a little bit of your story and I know that you have many more stories that you've never shared. Uh, so even if all we got to today was your own testimony, that would be enough. I think we'll get to more than that. But I would like to start there. Uh, and okay. I just want to ask you to just tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us some give us some history. Uh, and, and just know that I most assuredly will jump in and interrupt you at any given point in time oh, yes. with questions. <laughs> and help or me to stay on course. Observations. Okay, that sounds good. Well, why don't you just take it? Why don't you just start telling... Tell, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, where, where you grew up, what you grew up in. Okay, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and was raised in a wonderful Christian home and taught the Word of God and had um, a wonderful salvation experience at a very young age. And um, God began to work with me when I was in my teenage years. And um, one person who had influenced me was, back then we, we called him our youth leader, and he was a graduate from Asbury College. Okay. And so when college came around, because he had influenced my life so much, I chose to go to Asbury College. Sure. Which wasn't my background. Asbury is a Methodist school. Sure. It would have been far from what... My family would have influenced me. Now, what did you grow up? To. You said you grew up. Basically, you grew up in the church. But what was your? Yes. Like what? What was your? I grew up in the evangelical free church. Okay. Um. And um, it's a wonderful uh, conservative denomination. Okay. And, and my parents were actually they. Uh, we grew up in a small church when I was young. My parents. And five members started that church wow. in San Antonio. And now it's a pretty good-sized church. But uh, we had the privilege of being in the beginning of a church growth. So the church family was close. I can remember as a child, our prayer meetings were wonderful and impactful. I can remember gathering in a circle with 30 elderly people and hearing them pray. Course it impacted you then. Oh sure. Well, okay. So, let me ask. Let me ask you this then, um, because I think the next place that I want to go after this question is to your time at Asbury. Uh, but you, you know, so you said you grew up in the faith. You had a conversion experience when you were young. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of? What was your grid for the Holy Spirit uh, as you were growing up? Well, I was taught pretty much simple facts about the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But I was never taught um, much or com communicated much about um, the working of the Holy Spirit in the areas of the gifts. Okay. Um, 
So, so the Holy Spirit existed as a third member of the Trinity who took residence right. in you upon salvation, uh, but it was the, that was kind of the end of it for you. Right, okay. right, for me. Okay. So, um, oh, go ahead. And yet, it was, it's so interesting, because you're in my background, you're taught about it, and yet you see the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. Um, and even speaking through people in their lives, but they they don't make much ado about it. Sure, <laughs> that's the best was way it, to say about it. Was it was it referred to more like as just kind of fatalistic? Well, if the Lord opens that door, I mean that kind of that kind of language, and it, and that's how the Holy Spirit yeah. and the dispensation. Uh, we're in a dispensation of grace and certain gifts are for this time and certain gifts aren't okay and i was taught that okay that's a good way to say it <laughs> yeah yeah and that makes sense so mm-hmm. obviously revival for our day is significantly different than that um so we right. will, we will get to that uh that i don't want to say disparity but that contrast uh later okay. but I, before we get there though so because i know that there was something significant that happened while you were at asbury uh, so in terms of like with, with regard to introducing you to Revival for our day in this ministry, that is, if I'm remembering your story correctly, uh, with, uh, Rebecca. Yes. Rebecca that, that, that happened Helm there. At, Hill. That happened there at, uh, Asbury. Yes. Uh, but I'll go back to what, what you were leading to. So when I got to Asbury college, um, I was, I like to say it this way. Uh, we all live in spiritually in certain neighborhoods. And so I grew up in a certain neighborhood uh, of I the like arena that. of the church. <laughs> I like that. Different and neighborhoods. And so suddenly I got into a different neighborhood that I had never experienced as I'm in Asbury College. Sure. And um, I think the I was there in the summer semester and then in the the year of... And when it started in the second semester, the first, well, it would be the first semester starting that year, uh, they had prayer meetings uh, at noon, and they met with the president. And so this is, I think the revival wow. at the Asbury was like two years before I got there. Okay, so, and who, so Dr. who exactly was having the, the prayer meetings with the president? Is this the student body? So, just the student body, and they were invited. Okay. But there was only, I think the first time I went, there were two of us, me, president, and another person. Wow. And uh, there wasn't much attendance to it, but Dr. Kinsel came and would meet with us. And so that was my first encounter with um, hearing the anointing, hearing uh, uh, the passion of a man of God. And so, um, I was experiencing something that I had not in all of my Christian life growing up in a church that I had not experienced. Okay. And what, what was that like for you? Was it life giving or was it unnerving? Like, cause I feel like when, when people are presented with something new in their Christian walk, they're, it's usually like a polarity response. Either they jump all in because it's so stirring and, and life-giving, 
or there's fear around it and they just shut it off and turn around and go back the other direction. Uh, there's not usually well, would, a place in the middle. Yeah, that's true. I probably would say I was in the middle because I felt a little fear okay. of how I was taught. So what am I getting into? But I also, my spirit was responding. Yeah, my sure. spirit was finding life in it. Sure. And um, so actually it made me have to choose. I had to choose. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Was that a hard, was that a hard, like looking back on it, was that a hard decision for you? I mean, was this like a, no, no, actually I do remember even speaking to my parents a little about it. And then I decided, mm, I don't think I'm going to talk to them about this. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. So what was the, what were their initial responses to, to this? Well, like, I think they were a little concerned about me being in a different denomination anyway. A different way of life. The different so they neighborhood. Were probably, yeah, yeah. They they probably had concerns, anyhow. Um, but um, but in general, but I don't know if they. If in general, they, though, they were they, weren't opposed to it. Okay, okay, but were and were they supportive of you going to Asbury in the first place, though? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. So, okay. I so you, you glad get, I just went to college. <laughs> you, oh yeah. <laughs> Where, well, Georgine, were you, what kind of student were you in high school? No, I wasn't very, um, uh, studious and, um, I actually had to go the summer semester okay. so that I could get into college that year. I had to take, uh, some courses before I could be admitted. You see, so, um, you seem to me as one who maybe would have been a bit more interested in the social aspect of high school than the academic yeah. aspect. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you get to Asbury. Now keep in mind the, the narrative that I'm trying to create here is taking you from uh, the church that your parents started in San Antonio to you being here mm -hmm. recording this with me right now. So right, we have, right. because we only have about an hour, that's what I try to keep these things to, uh, you know, I'm taking the 60,000 foot view, uh, at your yes. life, you know, so uh, considering God's cosmic storyline, uh, you know, we're starting right. in San Antonio in whatever year that was, and then we're going to end here, uh, in April of 2020. Yes. So, uh, yes. let's go to Asbury and uh talk some more so you're already there you've been coming to these prayer meetings um right so that was the beginning of the school semester i was there in summer and now we're into the second well, semester hold on. I, have for to, me. I have to ask you a question okay so was the reason that you were drawn to those prayer meetings be, was because you had fond memories of the prayer meetings at your home growing up i would say that 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 I was drawn to because there was always a draw. I always felt a draw of the Holy Spirit. I always was longing for deeper things of God. Okay. There was a pull with, this is important, because there was a pull of God in me. Uh, the Spirit was always working with me of deeper things. But I didn't know at the time it was deeper things. I felt God um, pulling me unto himself is the best way to say it. Okay. I, I remember even as a child, the first time I heard God speak is I looked out 
uh, I was five years old, and I looked out to the window and thought, here I'm living in Texas, so we don't have season changes. We have hot, hotter, and hotter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we don't have that in Indiana, that's for sure. So when there... So I'm looking outside, and as a child, I think, oh, so this is what the changing of the season, this is, this is spring. Um, mm. and, and when I thought, when I thought about back, back, and I reflect back on it, I always think God was speaking to me then, because I looked out and I knew by revelation but there was a change in the season. Wow. Uh, it, was a, it was a distinct moment that I had a revelation. Oh. <laughs> so I always say that was probably my first revelation That's that I was cool. aware of. Okay. So, so then uh, so how did the you hear? spirit was always working with me. Sure, sure. That sounds like the Samuel uh, moment, you know, where it's like, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes and runs to Eli. And finally, he's like, if it happens again, say, speak, Lord, your servants listen. Anyway, um, that's what that sounds like to me, you know, because it was he was a young he was a young child. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And having this first encounter. OK, so. Um, so how did you get invited to the prayer meeting then? Oh, it was. Um, I don't really know for sure if it was announced. Somehow I, I knew about it. I don't even remember anybody that I was friends with going. Okay. Um, so I'm sure it was announced. We had chapel, and I would imagine it was in chapel. We heard about it, so I went and became a part of it. Okay, cool, cool. Well, um, And I don't remember if I was in it all the time, but I do remember going quite often. Very cool. Okay, so, so that is a significant thing that happens to you at Asbury. Uh, mm-hmm. the spirit pulls you in, you're, you're getting, you're, uh, you're having an encounter with, uh, a more, uh, shall we say a live version of the Holy spirit than you have in the past. Yeah. Uh, at one yeah. point, so did you, did you finish all of your schooling at Asbury? No, I, <laughs> I only went for a short time. What was I went you? the summer semester and then I went the next semester. Really? That's... And, um, Yes, it's very interesting that I only went that short period of time. Um, and I now, as I look back, I don't even now remember why, but I did come back to San Antonio and God unfolded other things that he had up his sleeve for my life. I now see it was the, it was God yeah. directing my life um, because of where I ended up in Florida and I wouldn't have ended up where I was if I'd have stayed the four years in sure. school. Now I'm just this so, is just an aside because I'm curious. But what did you go to college with the with the intent of studying? What was your what was, had you declared a major? <laughs> I I went um, I when I was in high school I was involved with the theater and and that's probably something nobody knows about me. <laughs> I was in theater and I was very competitive in the speech department and so because they had an art department there it drew me i love everything you just said and (laughs) i knew that i loved you but now (laughs) 
I've got a friend. I've got a theater friend. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, so you're there. How long were you there before you had this encounter with uh, Rebecca? And I, and I want you to just, just talk about that. What, what led you to meeting her? What led to the exchange of the book? I mean, just, just tell that part of your story. So my roommate um, was a friend of Rebecca's, and I didn't, I didn't know Rebecca, but uh, she had been in Rebecca's room. Rebecca at that time was rooming by herself, and um, somehow they were going to meet together one evening, and my roommate invited me to come and be with her. And so there were probably four or five of us in Rebecca's room, and we were talking about the kingdom of God. And we were hungry. It was obvious that there was a hunger wow. among that little group. Uh, we were talking the best we could about God and the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rebecca, just before we left, she had some books laying on her table. And she picked them up, and she looked at us. I think she gave me and somebody else a book. And she made us promise that if she gave these books to us, that we would read them. Because wow. if we weren't going to read them, then she wasn't going to give them to us. <laughs> now, tell her, I mean, I'm sure people know what book we're talking about, but... The Voice in the Wilderness yeah. by Reverend Warren Helm. Okay. Which is Rebecca, is Brother Helm's niece. Niece, yeah. <clears throat> Her father was Edward Helm. He was one of the twins. Yep. Okay, so, so you get the book. You made the promise, obviously, because you mm-hmm. got the book. But as I recall, you didn't run back to your room and start reading it. No, I didn't. So it makes me think it could have been at the beginning of that semester or it could have been at the end. I'm thinking it was at the beginning of the semester. And, of course, it got packed away when I came home. And I packed it up. I actually remember putting it in uh, a bookcase. That was a um, in my parents' office, their work office, uh, and the book was up in a shelf, and it sat there for ten years. <laughs> okay, so you promise you're you're made to promise to read the book. You promise she gives it to you, then it goes and sits on a bookshelf for ten years. Yes. Wow. Now, so, obviously, eventually, isn't that you read amazing? It. It, it really is, and this well, was on your parents' bookshelf. Yes. Okay. So uh, in between that time, I moved to a little, uh, little uh, town in L.A., lower Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> and Mobile, and I'm living with a family, and I'm a nanny for their children, and um, the wife, Linda Breland, and I began having spiritual experiences, and we're hungering for God. We're deeply hungering for God. We spent hours talking and reading and searching out God and wanting the deeper things of God. And in this time, I lived with him for seven years. Wow. So, God, when I began having this driven hunger for God, I would read books. Linda read books. We we, we just consumed them. We consumed every spiritual book you could 
put across us. Now, I'm living there. The book isn't there, but I would see the book. I actually would see the blue book, The Voice in the Wilderness. So, like, in I your, would see it. You mean in, in, like my in your spirit. mind, in your spirit, you'd see this yes. book? Okay. I'd see the book, and I would remember I promised to read that book. And um, and how far away are you living? This, I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and the book's in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And during this time, Roger and Linda uh, had a wonderful spiritual experience with a gentleman uh, who liberated them. Um, he was connected with, um, uh, um, I'll think of the evangelist in a minute. But it changed their life, and uh, they came back transformed after being in these meetings with this gentleman who was a prophet and liberated them. So I went to the meetings myself, and I had, I would call it a sanctifying infilling of the Holy Spirit after being in these meetings. So after coming back, the Lord kept working with me about the voice in the wilderness. I actually came back from those books, meetings, and literally read through my Bible in a matter of days. Um, And it would be I'd start reading in Genesis, and suddenly I would be driven to get to John. Then I would think, oh, my goodness, now Isaiah, I understand what Isaiah was saying. And I would just, I was like a mad person almost in my pursuit of God after being in these meetings and God began to work with me. The Holy Spirit began to work with me to get that voice book. So after having this experience in December, when I went home for the holidays, the first thing I got off that plane and I remember I went straight to that bookshelf, had to climb up on the desk and got that book off and came home in January Wow! and read the voice book in two days. You read the whole thing in two days. Yeah, in two days. And wow. I read it, and it so transformed me that I closed myself up. I don't. I just went to work, and I came home and would wait on God. And I had a friend who um, we socialized um, all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and we. I, I was in hiding for probably two weeks. I didn't come out. Oh my! Um, but I would read the book, hold the book, <clears throat> kneel at my bed, and pray. So did did your parents wonder what was happening during this time? Because you've kind of, obviously, you've disappeared from from social life. Uh, you're going to work and coming well, home. Well, my parents and- probably did not know that that was occurring. I mean, I was living in Mobile. Oh, I was, thought, I I'm sorry, I thought you I said you'd gone. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, I moved. I just was there for the holidays, took the book, came home in Mobile. Okay. I mean, not Mobile. I was living in Florida. Incidentally, I'm reading the voice book that had sat on my shelf for 10 years and having this marvelous experience. Brother Helm says that I I walked probably two two feet off the ground for days afterwards, and he would have the witness when he'd raise his hand. And I was. I was living in another realm. Okay, let me ask you this then. So all of a sudden you moved from uh, Mobile to Florida. What what took you from Alabama to Florida? 
um, the children got to such an age <laughs> that it was time for me to move on. Okay, I was so, being a nanny in the home. Okay. And so I had a connection there. They offered a job. It was a connection with Mr. Breland. Okay. And they offered me a job, so I moved to, to Florida. I found out. Uh, so I would go in and tell my boss about this book I was reading. And he said, well, give me the book. I want to read it. And I go, no, you can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on. How, I have to ask, how old were you? Can I ask that question? Yeah, so it, I was probably, um, I don't think I, I might have been... It, in my early 30s, probably. Okay. Might have been 27, between 27 and 30. Okay. So so you're here, your boss says, give me a copy. You say, no, you can't have it. Did did you get mm -hmm. him a copy? I mean. So he told me, you you use our phone. Of course, that's before cell phones. You use this company phone and you find me some books. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so I called. Yeah. I Somehow, back then, we didn't even have internet to figure it out. No. So I don't even remember how I got it, but I finally got a number for Evangel Voice publication and called. And I think Beer said at that time they were, they had, um, they were in a trailer. Oh, wow. And I called and. So who did you your talk grandmother, to? Your grandmother. Okay, that's what I wanted. Your grandmother. Very cool. Yeah. Vera Wagner at that time answered the phone. And she was very professional. I wanted five copies. And I I figured Brother Helm was not living. I didn't think he probably was even alive. Because surely if he was alive and had this secret, this marvelous mystery of the kingdom of God, he'd have to be dead because I never had heard of him. You'd never heard of him. <laughs> wow. Okay, so at what so, point in time... Well, yeah, keep going with your story because there's a, there's a big point here that you haven't gotten to yet. And I, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to lead you there, but I don't want to give away your your surprise moment in terms of where so you were living. Vera took my order. And when she took my order, she asked me a pointed question. How did you get this voice book? Okay. And she can tell you today that, I'm kind of a loud person, and I shouted very loudly, it is a miracle. Wow. And when I did that, the power of God struck both of us. It struck <laughs> me so powerfully. The only way I can describe it is if you see a cartoon where uh, the little bird sticks his finger in a <laughs> yeah. uh, an outlet, and he lights up. That is exactly, I lit up, the power hit me, and I lit up. The power surged with power through me. Wow. So much so, I'm in an office, a public office, that I shut every door in the place because <laughs> I was afraid. Lord have mercy, I'm having one of those charismatic moments here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I love that. Uh, well, so you, you that sound... was the beginning of the story. You know, it was a miracle. It okay. sat on my shelf for 10 years, so it's a miracle that God would get it. And here, then, after I find out that Edward Helm, whose daughter handed the book to me, 
in the winter would live in Fort Lauderdale, which was three miles down the trail from where I was living yeah. on the intercoastal. Brother Hound lived six miles from me at this time. Okay, so winter. when did you find that out? Was this on the phone call with with my grandmother? I found it out because after the phone call, I guess Vera was pretty stirred up, and she went in and shared it with John McAdams. Okay. And John McAdams called me, I think that following night, uh, and we had a marvelous time on the phone too, John and I, and he was the one who told me that there was this congregation uh, that was beginning to meet. And then, of course, I ended up meeting Edward and Jackie. And the church in Palm Beach was just beginning. Okay. And so I began to go with Edward and Jackie to some of the services there. Wow. And at that time, was it still meeting in the living room? Yes. They had just began to meet in the living room. Wow. I might have been there, I think, like the second service. Okay. (laughs) Of their gathering. I didn't go all the time. I only went when Edward and Jackie would call and ask me to come. Um, Because it was, you know, an hour and a half drive for them to go. Well, sure. Okay, so, all right. Now, I just want to connect the dots for the listener to make sure they're tracking. Georgine grows up in Texas, breaks with uh, what would be the, uh, maybe I should say the norm or the expected uh, to go to a college that is of a different spiritual neighborhood, as Georgine put it. She's only there for like two semesters, but during that time, she meets Reverend Helm's niece, who gives her a copy of the book that she promises to read. And then 10 years later, after moving to Mobile and then to Florida, or well, she, you, you read it in Mobile, uh, mm-hmm. but then you end no, up living. No, I actually read it. I actually read it in Florida. You actually read it in Florida. Okay. Which is then where you find out that you are living six miles from the man who you assumed to be dead and, uh, who wrote the book. Yeah. That is pretty <laughs> remarkable. Okay. So, <laughs> so then you're, you're going to church services at, uh, Palm Beach gardens, uh, occasionally, yeah. Uh, what is what what comes next for you? Like what? Uh, I mean, what's the next big thing in your story? Well, you know, we were talking about um, you know encountering something new and how do we react to something new. Sure. So even though I've had this marvelous experience in reading Brother Hunt's book, um, this is not familiar territory. I'm walking into right. in my spiritual upbringing, right, and. And so I struggled in certain ways. I lived high in the spirit, and then, then you start the, your feet begin to walk the rubber of the road, and which is self denial and inward crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. And where's the logic in being involved in the church? And then you're now you're going to drive an hour and a, uh, fifteen minutes to a church of people. Wow. that are meeting in a home. And um, <laughs> at this time, um, they went from the home and they began to meet in a schoolhouse. And I had gone up a couple of times. 
and um, I had driven up there that particular Sunday when I went to be with um, the church service. I remember thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to keep going up here. <laughs> I thought this to myself. I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is what I want to do. So wow. I'm thinking this. <laughs> and um, little did I know it, but uh, Thomas Mullins is, is telling, I don't remember who he was telling, he was going to say, "If I, I think today I'm going to tell Georgine, you know you're supposed to be here. This is where you're supposed to be. <laughs> wow. And, and the Holy Spirit puts a check on him. And I walk up to him to greet him. It's after service. And out of my mouth comes words that I didn't plan on saying because what was in my mind was, I don't think I'm going to start, I don't think I'm going to make this sacrifice and come up here. But out of my mouth comes these words, am I supposed to come here? And (laughs) this will be interesting to you. Forrest Ritchie, which is your um, grandfather-in-law, yep. is down in Florida from Indianapolis visiting the Smiths, and he's standing right there. Okay. Well, I think this is significant because I did end up in Forrest's church for seven years. Sure. Um, he has the witness that where I am is where I belonged. Wow. <laughs> and he doesn't hold it back. He just says it out loud to me without Thomas having to say it. Well, after I got that word, I never missed another service. Wow. I, we drove up there for morning service, and we drove up for the evening service now that, and for the Wednesday night service. That connects, for me, that moment of revelation, for me, connects with what the Lord told you when you were now I'm jumping I'm jumping way forward in your story here, yeah. but that connects with what the Lord told you when you were considering moving back to Parker. Yeah. And will you share that really quickly? What did I know You mean when I the, the after my parents died? Yes. So I I lived I did come to Indianapolis. I lived these seven years in Indianapolis also. And I went back and became a caregiver for my parents thinking it would be only a short time but they lived into their 90s so I lived with their, in their home caring for them for over 22 years and um, wow. <clears throat> it was I went into the front side of a desert in this marvelous experience of walking with God mm. um, but when my father died um he had just passed away, and I was sitting in a chair, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the scripture he gave me was forgetting those things that are behind and press on. Wow. And he had given that scripture to me two other times. One, when I lived in Mobile, and I was to go to Florida. When I lived in Florida, he gave it again to me to move to Indiana. Now I'm in San Antonio and he gives it to me the third time. (laughs) And I just began to weep and I knew that my place of dwelling was about to change. about to change. Um, So so my mother hasn't passed away yet. She dies three months later. and, um, And we now have a house to sell. We now have their belongings. We 
need to get put together. We have a house to get ready to sell. And so we are contemplating what I'm what you're gonna do with me who's been living in this home. Now hold on, so you're decide, saying well, I wanna interrupt real quick. You're saying we is this you, my brat my family. Okay, so you have siblings. Yeah. Okay. So I the siblings are wondering what they're gonna do with me who's lived in this my parents' home unemployed for twenty some years. Um and so my thought was they were willing for me to live there for a year. So I here I'm in my mind thinking, well, I'm going to live here. And the church has been nothing but marvelous to me and nothing but marvelous to my mother and my dad. And I'll get, I had, while I was there, I had breast cancer and they were such a marvelous support for me. I thought I'll get involved in the cancer program mm. and I'll get involved in some Bible studies. And sure. And I was planning my way. I thought, you know, I'll just, who knows when I'll get to Parker, but, you know, I'll, uh, while I'm here, this is what I'm going to do. While I'm here, I'll, I'll just, in essence, I was dragging my feet. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, while I'm sitting there in the recliner, the Holy Spirit says to me, if you do this, you will become lukewarm. It wow. will lure you to sleep. Wow. No, I was going to do wonderful things. I was going to study the Word of God. I was going to be involved in church. But it wasn't the design of God for my life. It wasn't my destiny. Well, because the the revelation had come years earlier in Florida that uh, where you actually belonged. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I know that jumped us forward. Is there? I want to ask you. So you said you lived in uh, in Indiana for a time, and I remember that too. Uh, what is um, maybe one highlight that you have from your time in Indiana? Is there like a, a significant spiritual experience or revelation from the Lord that came that comes to mind that you'd be willing to share? Well, I would say it was um, the connection of. My being in Indiana connected me to Parker City, to okay. to this place. I drove up for years on Wednesday um, and came. I'm in Janice's house here, but she had a home across the street. And I came up here every Wednesday. Wow. And Jana and I would begin to pray for Brother Hellman, Holy Ghost Awakening. Wow. So... The to me that was the building block of for today. Sure, that okay. was the prep. Um, I could see, I could have maybe made a connection with this body of intercessors, but it was a connection that took its root while I was here in Indiana. Okay, I'm gonna um, take I'm gonna take things out of order again, real quick. But you just said something that reminded me of something else the Lord spoke to you uh, through Rodney Dunn before he passed away um, about you and Jana praying together. Uh, is that something you're willing to share? Yes. So um, Rodney would say all the time to me, um, well, I think this is, I'll add this. I think you were speaking of now that I start, I think you were speaking of something else. But I will say this, Rodney, before he died, 
after building the relationship those seven years of us being together, yeah. Rodney always told me that I had a home. If I ever needed a place to live, I could come live with them. Wow. And now I'm in his home. He's gone on to glory. But he prepared the way for his words were were going to be true. I was going to live in their sure. home. Um, wow. But he also um, spoke to us in the there there in the time where um, we were as a body of uh, RFOD, we're going through a transition of time of disappointment. Um, Jenna and I were not on a regular basis praying together, but God, is this what you want me to tell? Yes. Yeah. So in that between time, uh, God, Jenna and I, God would show us about the Holy ghost awakening as we would pray. Wow. And, um, and the longing of his heart to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And so we, uh, we're praying in this time, um, but we would do it hit and miss, and we would say, oh, we're going to get together. But suddenly, Rodney came to Jenna and said, you and Georgine. Now, when you get words like this, we always need to take it in context of, of how it's spoken. Because sure. it's spoken to me personally. It's spoken to Jenna personally. Yeah. It isn't to elevate so what I'm going to say could seem as though I think I'm something, but it's the word that God needed to speak to Dan and I. Yeah. Well, and and, and just keep said, in mind, everybody who's listening, I asked Georgine to share this. She's not. Yeah. She's not trumpeting it on her own. So, just to provide well, more context, go ahead. Yeah, and because God will speak directly to you and make you seem as though you're the only individual on the earth. Well, sure. Um, because that's how He works. <laughs> So he spoke directly to the two of us as though we were the only two individuals on the earth. And he said, you cannot live in this land of hope that you are living, you and Georgine. God has given you too much prompt, too much prompt. He promises. You must leave the land of hope and, and begin to live in the land of, of uh, belief into the land of belief. Okay, now and um, it got it got interrupted yeah. just a little bit there. You must leave the land of hope and and get into the land of belief. Get into the land of belief. <clears throat> so we were hoping for Holy Ghost awakening ah, instead of believing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good word. Well, as we I remember, we it would take us. We would. We were in a hotel room when we got the word. She brought the word to me, and uh, we were in a hotel room. And we began to pray. And as we began <laughs> to pray, it took us a while to get from hope into the first step of belief. Wow. And into the next step of belief. Well, um, that, that word sounds like uh, something that Aaron spoke to us recently, um, here on one of yeah. our zoom church calls about correction is not judgment. Uh, and that sounds like that was, that was a corrective word that came from the Lord, Yeah. but you were able to respond in freedom 
and receive it because it it wasn't like when judgment comes there's no like judgment is judgment right but correction yeah. correction yeah. uh opens the door for repentance and for a response yeah, yeah. okay yeah. That's, that's so beautiful. Good. So then you really that's what it took. It took us in humility and it took much praise to get us even to take the first step from the land of hope into belief. Yeah. Wow. So you were just saying that you took like one step into belief and then the second step into belief. What what did that look like um in terms of so it sounds like it was a gradual process to for you to move from hope to belief, what did belief look like as opposed to hope? Well, hope is, it says, the Bible says it makes your heart sick. So that's what hope is. It does really make your heart sick. Um, Because uh, we have been believing for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Brother Helm was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1942, 78 years ago. So there's been a long wait, a long laboring. And so uh, the overwhelmingness of failures of lives of disappointment made our heart grow sick and made us become discouraged. And so instead of belief being speaking forth in truth and speaking forth in faith, I spoke forth in, well, I hope. I yeah. hope we can have a revival. Well, here's, I hope wow. God will come. Here's the, uh, here's the verse you're referencing, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing mm-hmm. fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. This goes, uh, everything that you're describing right now um, connects to something Jana had shared with me. Um, and uh, at some, well, she shared it with multiple people, but this, this uh, experience that she had in a church service in West Virginia where she heard the Lord say to her that, she, that he, um, he must have a generation that was willing to walk from faith into sight. And then the the prayer for her, she said that turned into an intercession that was, we must become the generation that will move yeah. from faith into sight. And that's exactly, wow. I feel like that's what you're talking about here. Is this yeah, move, it really bears witness in my heart. In this this move from hope to mm-hmm. belief was moving from faith to sight. Um, because Spencer... Um, we can't live hoping. Um, right. We can't live just, um, you know, if you're pregnant with a child, you just, you can't live in the land. Well, I hope I can bring forth this child. I hope, I hope, I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we are birthing. We have it in our spirit for birthing. Each of us carry the birth of this hour. We carry it within ourselves. Yes. And so, if we just live in deferred hopelessness, um, but we must live in a place of belief, a belief, oh, it, we have it on our 
our entrance. Belief opens everything. Yes. Well, it opens. It even opens us up. And as Jenna and I entered into belief, it was opening us up. That's right. Uh, to believe, to to get out of us what God wanted to hear in prayer and in intercession. Wow. That is beautiful. Okay, so let's... Uh, We've kind of jumped around in your storyline a little bit, which is fine. So your yeah. mother passes away, uh, and then you guys prepare your house uh, to sell. But now, and you've already referenced it, now you live in Parker City again. Um, what? what? Talk to me about what you've experienced, what you've encountered. Uh, what has the Lord been teaching you? Um, I mean, I just asked you like five questions. You can pick one and answer it. But, <laughs> but since you have come back to Parker, what, uh, what has it done in your spirit? Uh, how have you seen the kingdom advance since you've moved back to Parker? Well, it's been um, an adventure. Always walking with God is an adventure, isn't it? Amen. So we always are in an adventurous place. Um, but as we... I would say, as I see God orchestrating, and um, I will say, how I will say this, what, so when I proceed in this direction, our obedience might be the obedience that will open the door for others. Amen. Um, and so um, today, on a phone call, um, I see that. I see... Um, my obedience in opening up doors for others um, to get to their destiny. Because that is how God's kingdom works. That's how he unfolds himself. Sure. Um, It's a body. We're a body. We're stones that are are martyred uh, together. Yes. We, We are being built stone upon stone. And so my moving here and becoming a part of this that has been my destiny. I see it, my act of obedience opening other doors for others to step in their place of obedience. Wow. Um, that's one aspect of it. That's good. Um, <laughs> what has been... And then, go ahead. No, go on. Well, so that... I mean, we, you know, I want us to be real and uh, open and honest on this podcast. What, what has been uh, a big challenge about moving back here, and how, and what has that challenge taught you about uh, God's character? Well, I'm living in a home with two other people. Um, <laughs> of course, I lived in a home with my parents, and that was in itself its own challenge. Sure. Um, moving into a home, but to, there's always a challenge when you have to encounter others. Yeah, sure. Uh, because it challenges you. Um, I even said it today, um, uh, not because there's any conflict, but just because every day you live in life and you have to make choices. Oh, well, I have to choose this, this, this means I have to go lower. Mm-hmm. And I can't be independent. Yeah. So I went from being very much independent to uh, now being in a home where 
I have to not just consider myself, I have to consider others. Wow, um, that's good. Not only that, is how do you live with three people and and you become united. Um, that that the purposing of God for being together, the challenge of not just letting this moment pass us by, and then there be oh I wish yeah oh I should have I should have I could have. So to me, the challenge is not to live in those lands. That's really but good. But live in the presence of this land today. Yeah. What is it today? that God is requiring of me? What is it today, uh, the challenge of what today holds for me? That's really good. Most, that, of, the time, uh, go most of the time, it's to lose my life. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Uh, that reminds me, every, everything you just said, the, the process that you just talked about uh, reminds me of something that a dear friend of mine um, taught. She was the youth leader in Parker for years, um, and one thing that she, a phrase that she used often uh, was uh, this phrase that she talked about, and it, it works for uh, the process in becoming a, uh, a believer, the process uh, for acting. So much of what she, she taught about our Christian walk, mm-hmm. she used uh, the method of, um, or she would use like acting techniques. And so it was just this really beautiful thing. But anyway, she talked about it specifically, this phrase, the process of becoming. And uh, so, I mean, aren't we, we all are in process and, and we're yeah. all, we're all becoming something. Um, yeah. And even if you, even if you're choosing passivity, you're still in a process of becoming something. Becoming. You just might not right. really like what you end up at the end of the process, right? Um, you know, so the the challenge, the the charge, is to ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to become, and then to agree with the process that He has to take you through to get you there. Um, oh, that's good. And we that's often, good. you know, this isn't a new concept. As believers, we often are right. very interested in the final product but not necessarily the process to get from point A to point B. Um, but, you know, God calls us to to be very interested in the process because he certainly is. I mean, you consider somebody... So you like, kind of open the door then for, if you want to, you ask me, what are you learning? What is it? How do, I don't remember how you said it. Sure, yeah. So in the unfolding, because we're talking about me now, <laughs> my yeah. story... So in the unfolding of my story, I was a found one. Brother Helm went in search of a people. It says this in the voice book that yeah. God sent him out to search for a people. And so the challenge now is this becoming. Yes. Uh, it, to me, that's what you're speaking. I've been found and I went through a process of, of waiting upon God of losing my life, of making choices. Now I have the process of becoming. Yes. And that's where I see um, Aaron Sims fits into this um, in his um, spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, um, because I'm gonna, I was downstairs because I had better, but I'm going to walk up here to read it out of my Bible. Sure. Because there is this this becoming um, in Ephesians 
um, I reviewed this with the man of God today on the phone, um, minister, and he was speaking of this passage out of Ephesians where we remember. So what we've been doing today is remembering my past. Yes. Remembering my salvation, remembering the process of sanctification and this work. And why is it? Because we come to this point in Ephesians 2 that says that we're no longer, I'm no longer a stranger in this land. Amen. I'm not an alien in this land. That I'm now becoming a fellow citizen with the saints in the household of God. Amen. Having built upon the foundation of the apostles, of the apostolic calling and the prophets, but most of all that Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely. So this is where we are. And whom the whole building is being fit together. And that's what I see. My coming here is fitting me together with the purpose of my life. Fitting you and I, Spencer, into the purposing of God. Amen. Fitting us together beautifully. Yes. He's fitting us. There's purpose in us encountering the servant so many years ago. There's purpose for John McAdams getting here in Parker City many, many years ago. And for his life and my life and your life and Aaron's life, these lives are being fitted perfectly together. And we're growing up into this holy temple. In the Lord God Almighty, in whom you are also being built together into the dwelling of God. This goes along with that passage. If anybody's been listening to you and me, we've reviewed it a couple of times. Sure. This, the foundation of the temple. In Ezra. There is a building of, of a foundation. Yes. There's a temple that is being formed. And there has to be a movement. There is a movement going on. We're in, we're there. When I, I don't mean a physical movement. I'm not talking about a democratic movement or a Republican movement. I'm talking about the movement of the spirit of the living God. Amen. There is a moving of God's spirit in this hour. Yes. He's moving on the earth. And those who, are responding to it will find themselves uh, in a place uh, that there is transformation, there is a becoming, and there's a stillness entering in, and there's an equipping. And uh, I believe we're going to see a marvelous thing soon. Amen. I love everything you just said. <laughs> Stirs me up. Um. <laughs> Well, and you kind of, uh, you jumped ahead to to my next and really final question, which was, what do you hear the Lord saying now? And I think you answered that pretty well. Um, yeah, I would like to read. I thought of this knowing that I was going to be on here. Um, in Second Timothy, God's been leading me to that passage through this book for several days. And... I think every time he leads me, I think, well, I guess I didn't get it yet, because he keeps saying, go back and read it. (laughs) But 
I love this part today as I was reading it, that um, Timothy is has this man of God who's at the end of his life, and he reviews with him. I thought of you as I read it. He reviews about to Timothy of his heritage, which you can relate to. You had a grandmother who first her and her husband who forsook everything and came to a little community yeah. uh, to endeavor to do the will of God. And your mother and father who have grown up in a ministry and have been faithful. And now God has called you yes. for such a time as this. And he uses three illustrations. One is a soldier. And he says that soldier has to abandon himself the active duty that he is he he has to put aside all the distractions yeah to obey the one he's in charge who's in charge of him and that is where we are today the, god has set apart this time and he is calling us like soldiers wow. at this moment to set aside that which is distracting us it says in here Divorce himself from the distractions of the world. That's passion. I think that's beautiful. He's, there is literally a cutoff from yeah. the world. And he's cutting us off so that we can give him our utter, benign, under, how do you say that, undenying attention to him. Yeah. And then he speaks of the athlete who must play by the rules to win his trophy. And we have the rule book, the Word of God, and we've had um, a book called The Voice in the Wilderness that changed and transformed my life. And we have this rule book. Many of us have uh, endeavored by God's grace to live under these rules. And there is a trophy to be rewarded Yes, for those who live by the rules of that Jesus gave. He said to them, unless you are like a little child, you cannot be my disciple. That's he right. says to them, come follow me, take up your cross. <laughs> yes. He tells them, you must be holy as I am holy. So there were certain rules that Jesus gave us. Yeah. And then this is where I got, oh man, I get stirred up. The farmer, it says that the farmer who labors to produce a crop will be the first one to feed on it. So there has been a laboring in a field uh, in this ministry. Because um, I come from this ministry, so that's where I'm going to speak. Yeah, uh, I'm going to speak in that area. Uh, but there are other fields out there where there's been a laboring, a laboring. Some have been on the outskirts of the field, like Ruth. Yeah. She worked the outskirts of the field, and then she was instructed by her mother-in-law to go sit, lay at the feet of Boaz, and in laying at the feet of Boaz, uh, when he reached down to cover his feet, suddenly the whole field was given to her. Wow. <laughs> we are crossing over, Spencer into from the Jordan into the promised land. Praise the Lord. And there have been fields that have been labored in that I believe. Some of them we've never labored in them. But I believe the church is going to receive 
her full reward. Amen. There are homes that have been built that we're going to live in that we never purchased with our own finances, but we will live in them. There are cities to be gained that we've never possessed, but we will gain them because the Lord of the harvest is calling us unto himself. (laughs) So that would be my word. That was good. Wow. And if you're listening to this, I hope that you, uh, rewind this podcast and listen to it a few more times. That was remarkable. Well, Georgine, I want to thank you for your time today, for jumping on here uh, with me, with us. And uh, listener, thanks for sticking along. Uh, I mean, her Georgine's story is so captivating, it would be hard to do anything else. Um, but Georgine, before we get off of here, I wondered if I could just ask you to pray for our listeners. Yes. So Jesus, what a privilege it is uh, to be living in a day and a time where you can be talking to someone, one city to another, and then have it to go all over the world. Yes. It's a marvelous mystery that we live in such a time as this. We were born for such a time as this. So, Lord, I lift up all those who uh, listen to this podcast. I lift up their needs that they have in their body, in their mind, and in their spirit, that uh, you will work in a marvelous way, that you will heal bodies, yes. that you will restore those that, who have become discouraged yes. and who have chosen to live in the land of hope, that you will move them from the land of hope and May they enter into the land of belief yes. so that they might enter into the fullness of their destiny. I thank you, O oh God, that there's not one human being born that there isn't a destiny that you have pinned out their lives. Right. So may you reach into their hearts yes. and bring them forth in light and in revelation. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Well, this becomes the sad part of the podcast where we have to end it. Uh, but, you know, for as much as Georgine told us, I'm sure that there's another six or seven hours that she didn't tell us. There's a lot of stories we didn't get to hear. So the next time you're in uh, Parker City, uh, that feel free to, uh, I'm going to speak on Georgine's behalf, feel free to uh, pick her up and take her out for some coffee and ask her to uh, share some more. She has some wonderful stories and She's already told us that she likes to be social, so that's not a problem. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, Praise well, the Lord. Amen. Blessings. Well, we want to thank you guys again for coming on. And uh, I want to ask you to do me a favor. If you haven't yet, go uh, go rate our podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, shoot us an email or something if you've got an idea uh, for somebody who maybe we could get on here. Uh, but uh, more than anything else, I want to say thank you again, because I know that you're choosing to do this and it is truly a pleasure to host this. And uh, anyway, I want you to hear me say thanks again for joining us for these revival chats.